Welcome to today's message from Reach Community Church. We hope this message encourages and blesses you as we dive into God's Word. And now, for today's message. All right, Uh, we're continuing our uh, living. Jesus is greater. If you've uh, missed any of the ones leading up to this, um, check them out online. I don't have time to go through them all. Um, But I would just say, and someone asked me how church was going, um, I'm probably as proud of what has been going on in our church in this year as I have been in the nine years and however many months we've existed. Um, so if you're interested in seeing more of uh, what God's taken our church through, um, check them out. You can go to YouTube or you can download um, the um, podcast app and listen to it as you drive around. And that is not normally me. So if you're like the pastor is always hawking his wares, um, I don't normally do that. So if you're new here, um, sorry. Actually, I'm not sorry. Go listen to it. Okay, so this morning um, we're going to talk about a dirty word. Let's build the anticipation. Don't worry, parents, you don't have to cover your kids' ears. Um, They won't like the word either, but you don't have any fear that you'll get a letter from school of them repeating it there. And we got an email one time from uh, my male child. Uh, He didn't say it out loud. He just spelled it, and the teacher heard it. (laughs) It was a great email. Anyway. Uh, kids are always listening. Um, just beware. They will repeat whatever they hear. So you don't have to worry about t- today. So what word is it that you may ask? Authority. Living Jesus is greater as me means getting under or getting a right understanding of this word. Rebelling authority has been part of our DNA from the beginning. It's what we do. And our country and our world has not made it any easier to have issues with authority. We see people misuse and abuse uh, authority all the time. Not just those heathens out in the world, but Christians. Misusing and abusing authority. And so we're not going to get into all those other things. Many of you may even been hurt by uh, those in authority, which also adds to this struggle. Today, let us allow God to redeem and restore our ability to live under the right authority. Let's pray. Jesus, I pray that, that you would redeem and restore our ability to see you as the one true authority. And that we would desire to surrender Desire to submit to, uh, desire to hear your words and trust them as being good for us. And that following those words and going to you for the things that we cannot accomplish or do, that you're the right source. And I, t- I pray today for those in this room that just the, the mention of it, there's scars and wounds. And Lord, I pray today you would rescue and redeem there, that you would restore what was stolen by the sinful world that we live in, and that, Lord, we would have joy and peace from our willingness to surrender to you, our willingness to submit to your authority. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So authority 
if you look it up, um, is the power or right to give orders, make decisions, or enforce obedience. The power. So my question for you right now, and I'm going to say it again at the end so you can uh, write this down or ponder it as we go through, is who has this authority in your life? The right to give you orders, the right to help you make your decisions, and a right to enforce obedience. Because someone does. It could be you, but I would say most of us aren't functioning under our own authority. We're functioning under some other authority, whether it's fear or whether it's um, a relational authority. We're, We're functioning under something. We're submitting and surrendering to something. So we have an interesting uh, story that we're going to go in, and I, I, um, have a group of guys that we're, we're going through some books, and, uh, I tell them almost always something that you hear from me, um, on a Sunday morning is something that I've read or heard or God's kind of in me. And, um, I pre-warn them that, so they won't be like, oh, he stole that from here. I'm, I steal everything, guys. I don't know if y'all read Ecclesiastes, but there's nothing new under the sun. Any any new or brilliant thing is just a regurgitation of something else. It, it just is. There There isn't. I mean, any original idea can probably be pushed to something else. It's just rephrased and reworded. So I'm not even going to claim any originality because I don't have to and I don't need to. And the beauty is, is the word doesn't need it. <laughs> It has the ability to work in us even in spite of us. So we're going to be in Matthew 8, um, verses 5 through 13. And this is also in Luke, um, this story that we're going to read today. And it's odd. And I'll explain why it's odd, but we're going to jump into verse 5. It says, When he had entered Capernaum, Jesus, a centurion came forward to him, appealing to him. So, you may already, um, I, I don't want to assume, and forgive me for assuming sometimes that everybody knows everything about biblical things, because we don't. We don't, including me. There's things all the time that I'm like, what is that word? What is this thing? Uh, and it's all right. So I, I want to just, because it'll make this more interesting and better, but a centurion is a man um, in the Roman army that led a hundred soldiers. That's why his name was Centurion century, hundred. And that's what he did. And the Romans were a hated, if you didn't know this, a hate, were hated by the Jews because they were occupying the Holy Land, God's place, God's kingdom, God's home. And there were this wicked, evil people that were there. And he was a part of that regime because he was a soldier in it. It would be like this is a bad comparison, but, but enough to bring it to us. It would be um, like being in a Ukrainian church right now, worshiping Jesus, and, and, and a, a Russian general comes in, a Russian lieutenant comes in, asking for help, asking for something. That, that's the feeling of this. Everybody else, not Jesus, but everybody else is like, who gives him the right to come in here, and he's going to say something about this guy that is going to insult every single religious person in that day. And it should insult us to an extent. Um, verse 6, it says, Lord, and this is his words. 
So he's saying, Lord, he, he, he is surrendering enough to say these words about Jesus. Lord, my servant is laying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. Two things that you need to understand here. One, I just pointed out, the centurion um, called Jesus Lord, which is a big deal. That's not, I mean, it is kind of what we're getting into, but I don't have time to expand on that. Um, this centurion was also a good master and was concerned about his servant. And you were like, oh, yes, I mean, people are nice. No, a person that's given the position of being a centurion, he's a battle-hardened man. He was not given a role or leadership because he graduated from some college and got this position. He was given that role because he had led, he had fought, and they, they fought from the front. <laughs> they weren't in the back going, hey, guys, you know, do well and prosper, um, you know, I'll take the, I'll write letters to your mom. No, they were in the front with the, so, so they weren't soft, kind, caring people typically. So this is unusual that he's concerned not about his best friend, not about some higher ranking person in their army. He's concerned about a servant, a slave. And so much so that he's willing to go and ask a holy man that's not part of his kingdom, not part of his people. He's going out of his way. And and we can only assume that he's done everything else to remedy this. And typically the, the suffering um, that this person have, it, it, they link it to palsy, which typically um, you don't feel. So you're paralyzed and you have these other things, but you don't feel. But he's suffering terribly. So he is feeling the pain that is going on. He's He's hurting. And I would assume that this um, centurion has done everything in his power. They've doctors, they've brought people in. I wouldn't think, and this is Heath's assumption here, that he would go first thing to Jesus. There's other things that he's probably done before he's gone to Jesus. And he's at this point that he's heard about Jesus enough that he's going to go to him and ask. So he just told Jesus my servant is laying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. That's all he said. This is all we, we, we're going off. He didn't ask Jesus anything yet. He didn't demand anything from Jesus yet. He, didn't, he just said, this is what's going on. In verse 7, Jesus went immediately and he said to him, I will come and heal him. He didn't ask for him to heal him. I mean, that's why he's there, but he didn't even ask the question yet. And hear this, and this isn't a trickery, so if you, if you approach Jesus the right way, he'll give you whatever you want. Okay, hear me, hear me. But Jesus always gives us more than what we're asking for. When Jesus responds, when Jesus answers, when Jesus moves, it's always more than what we've Ask for. Verse 8. But the centurion replied, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. Look at his humility. I mean, they owned the people of Israel. They ruled the people of Israel. He could have come into that room and demanded that Jesus 
out of allegiance to the one who owns them, rules them. He could demand that Jesus do something. He didn't. He, he's humbly saying, I'm not even worthy for you to come under my roof. See, he wasn't like Naaman, the Syrian, that came to Elijah and demanded that he healed his leprosy. He's saying, I'm not even worthy for you to come into my place. And, and you need to understand this. Jesus said, I'll come and heal him, which healing him means for most intense purpose, you've got you to be present. You've got to go there. You've got to um, participate in this. And for him to do that, he had to enter into a house and into a room that would instantly make him unclean. It would instantly remove Jesus's holiness, at least by their understanding. And he's saying, I'm not even worthy for you to come under my roof. But only say the word and my servant will be healed. Why why would he even think this? Which he's going to explain. Why would he think I'm going to this holy man? Maybe he's witnessed. Maybe he's seen Jesus do things. But why would he just say, all you've got to do is say the word. I mean, can you think, can you imagine the ability in us to just say, all he's got to do is speak. I mean, in most of us in this room, we know about Jesus. And we've seen and heard the stories of Jesus. We don't have this faith. We, We don't have this, like, all he's got to do is say the word. And this is not the faith of the religious Jews. This was an unclean Gentile and an army of their oppressors. And so he's going to explain. He's, he tell, This is his reasoning in verse 9. It says, For I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me, and I say to one, go, and he goes. And another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. Why did they do that? Probably fear of death. Because whose authority is the centurion under? Caesar. He operates as the hand of Caesar. And if you rebel against him, you're rebelling against Caesar. So when he says go, it's not like, hey, this is Bob the centurion, and I must listen to Bob the centurion. I'm listening to this guy because he's connected to the power, to the source, to the one who can literally say cut off his head and get rid of him. Listen to this in, in John five eighteen. This was Jesus talking about him. because, And he is the Son of God. He is part of the Trinity. But he teaches us authority, shows us authority, and lives authority while he's here in the flesh. Listen to this in Matthew five nineteen. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son of does nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise. Don't raise your hand. Does your life look like that? Okay, let me me say this. My life doesn't look like that. To where I'm only interested in what God 
is doing. And I'm looking to him, listening to him and only responding and acting when people come to me or ask for things. I'm not naturally just going, oh, what is God doing? I'm only going to do what I see the father doing. This is what Jesus is modeling here. This is this idea of living under authority. Jesus lived it every day. And if you're reading your one-year Bible and started in January this morning, you saw someone else try to give Jesus authority. Jesus went into the wilderness after he had uh, fasted for 40 days, and the devil tempted him three times. And one of the ones that he tempted them with, he took them, he showed them all the kingdoms, and he says, I have the power of the devil, which he did until God removed it from him. This is mine. And if you bow down and worship me, I'll give you authority. Jesus didn't bite. How many of us are biting at authority from something or someone else that isn't theirs to give us? That we're like, yes, we're we're bowing down. And I know I said this already, but one of my big ones is fear. And I've lived under this place of fear, fear, fear. And, and, uh, and it has the authority to change my mood and my actions and all these other things. And it doesn't have the right to do that. I give it that right. Or used to. Verse 10. When Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those following him, truly, I tell you, with no one. Okay, I'm not a a Greek or Hebrew scholar, but no one means no one. Okay, no one in Israel have I found such. Okay, the Pharisees and Sadducees had their spies around Jesus all the time, waiting for him to say or do something that they could kill him for. They're everywhere. You know, when it says all the Sadducees or Pharisees asking this question, why were they there? Because they were there all the time, spying, looking, listening, watching. And Jesus just said the most insulting thing to the religious people of the day, that this soldier... This Gentile, this non-set-apart person, he wasn't a Jew. And Jesus just said, I have not seen more faith in anyone than this man right here. I mean, this is a slap in the faith. And if we're going to be under authority, we need to listen when Jesus said, this is what faith looks like. We need to listen when Jesus is giving us, showing us what it looks like to have trust and faith in him. And if you'll, if you'll open your eyes, you'll see it in lots of places that you're not looking for it. No one was looking like, okay, which soldier today is going to be the, the star which soldier today is God, the God of the Hebrews, going to elevate to the position of excellence? No one's thinking that. No one's looking to this guy like, I need to watch him and figure out what he's doing so I can be more like him because Jesus just gives him this amazing. No one was looking at him before this going, I need to model this guy. Verse 11. It gets, he, he goes even further. Verse 11, I tell you, 
Many will come from the east and the west and recline at the table of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Do you hear this? This is Jesus prophetically talking about you. Because unless you were born in the lineage of the Jews, this is us. We get access to recline at the table with the founding fathers. We. Jesus opens that door to us. Listen to this in verse 12, and it says, While sons of the kingdom will be thrown into outer darkness in that place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Anytime you see weeping and gnashing of teeth, that's usually related to the outside, which is usually related to hell. Listen to what Jesus just said. Many from outside of this community are going to recline at the table with Abraham, Jacob, and Isaac. And many in the house are going to get cast out. And you wonder why they killed him. Gosh. Verse 13. And the centurion, and to the centurion, Jesus said, Go, let it be done as you have believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment. I wish we knew more. I wish we had the rest of the story. That's whatever that guy on the radio used to say. Who was that? Paul Harvey rest of the story. And the good thing is, love and serve Jesus, and you get eternity. And I believe that we get the rest of the story in eternity. I believe our eyes are open, and all these things that we we ignored or we missed, we get to see the fullness of what God is doing. And and I don't know about you, but I, I have a hard time believing that this man was not changed forever. Could you imagine? Because he doesn't know. We don't know how far he is away from his house. We don't know how long it took him to get there. Could you imagine all the whole way there? Well, he said it was going to be so. He said it was going to be so. Uh, you know, and, and can you imagine with every step his faith kind of growing? Well, maybe it is. Maybe it is until he literally walked in and with his own eyes saw what he already knew Jesus did. Hebrews 11.1, it says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And I would love to say that if you pray hard enough, and if you have enough faith that God will heal every disease that you're suffering. But he may not. Let me just tell you, and I know there's this whole... Whatever that this whole lie, in my opinion, the reason why you weren't healed, the reason why this didn't happen is because you didn't have enough faith. I think it's a lie from the pit of hell, because you know what that does? That ruins your view of Jesus when you aren't healed. Let me just tell for those in this room. and I know we have some 
they're presently struggling with something. You're like, if I, if, let me just tell you, Jesus' love for you isn't altered. And what Jesus is doing in you and through you right now, when we get the rest of the story, will make sense and we'll see his goodness. And this doesn't mean that Jesus doesn't still heal. And you may have heard me pray. You got something going on? Come over. I mean, we, we got prayer in the back corner. When service is over, you can come up to me or one of our elders. We will, we will anoint you with oil. We will pray over you. We will believe that God will heal. And we're hoping that that is the case. But I just want, for those in this room who are like, well, if I can just get the faith of the centurion. No. That's maybe not the case because maybe God has something bigger in store for what he wants to do with this. And the submitting to authority is trusting him in the way he does it. And let me just tell you, what's going on right now in your life, God has purpose for it. And you can either submit to his authority and go, I trust you, and move forward with what's going on day in, day out, moment by moment, as these thoughts pop into your head. That say, if God loved me, he would. If God loved me, he would. And instead go, instead change our thought and say, God loves me. God loves me. And so what's going on right now, and I don't understand it. You don't have to like it. But you can say, God loves me. And in his way, he's showing his love for me right now. Because let me just tell you. And we've talked about this. Living Jesus is greater. You're not the center of the universe. And God has people that he wants to use your life. Remember three weeks ago when we talked about the God of all comfort that comforts us so that we can comfort others. And I know we don't like this because we want it done and we want it gone. But maybe, just maybe, you can trust Jesus and we can surrender to his authority so that you can say, God, you intend this for me, but this is going to be to the benefit of others. So let's go back to these questions that we had at the beginning. Who has authority in your life? That's a question you need to answer. That's a question, if I could appeal to you, I wouldn't leave this room until you've answered it. Because our world is way too crazy to just let anything determine how you think or feel. Our world is angry. I mean, go on Twitter. It's the last holdout of social media I have on my phone. And every now and I get desperate. I don't like Twitter. I use Twitter for something else. Um, I don't, you know, I don't like the way it's set up and, you know, you have to read lots of things because, you know, it's not like just pictures and sunsets and stuff. And uh, But I've gotten sucked into a couple of things, and, and maybe you've seen some things that have happened this week that you're just, you know, like whatever. And regardless of how you feel about the thing that has happened, it's just, it's amazing to go down the just hatred that comes under someone's thought or opinion about something. And they're there. And lots of people, their life is ruled by these things. Let me just tell you, stop letting your life be ruled by something that cannot rescue you, cannot redeem you, doesn't offer you anything. 
But look to Jesus, who's promised you life, life eternally. And let me just tell you this, and I, I, this is something I feel like I've read over and over again over the last few months. And something I'm, I'm coming to really enjoy. Jesus didn't die on the cross so that you can believe in him and have heaven later. Jesus died on the cross so that you can believe in him and have life now. And then you still get heaven later. Don't substitute the now for heaven later. Because Jesus has life now for you. And I believe that if you'll... If you'll set your side to submit to that authority, he'll begin to restore and rebuild, and it won't happen overnight. Listen to this, Colossians 1, verse 16. This is talking about Jesus. So if we're going to have authority in somebody, we should probably know, like, why. For by him, again, referring to Jesus, all things were created. All things. Again, not a language scholar, but all typically means all. All things, which means you, which means this chair. All things, all things were made. All things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authority. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Like literally right now, you are you, the visual representation that we see it's there because Jesus is holding you together. Every bit of you. I mean, really down to the molecule. Jesus is making his molecules act and behave the way they should so that your body stays together in one piece and didn't just melt to the ground. For those that were watching Indiana Jones, you know, you got to watch out for that. When that arc is open. Don't look at it. <laughs> that was not in my notes. I don't know where that came from. Um <clears throat> He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. (laughs) That's how it should be. He is the beginning. He is the firstborn among the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For uh, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile himself. All things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Jesus didn't come and just teach some great sermons and say, hey, you should believe in me. He teached some great sermons and then proved his ability to say the things that he said by being by allowing himself to be manhandled, tortured. And abused by his creation. Mocking him the whole time. Saying, if, if I wanted, I could call legions of angels to rescue and redeem me. But he's allowing this. And he allowed himself to be hung on a cross and die a horrible death. So that he could show you, once and for all, I love you. If you haven't heard that today, or if you don't know that, that was for you. And, and, and now what he's doing is inviting you to surrender to that, submit to that, to his authority, that he knows best for you. So here's question one, number one I already gave you. 
Who has that authority in your life? Question two for you is, and this is important, how are you approaching God? Just think about that. Like, what do your, what do your prayers sound like? Do they sound like this centurion? Like, I'm, I'm not worthy, Lord. And not just like saying the word, but like meaning the word. Because <laughs> he was surrendering to Jesus, submitting to Jesus as he was going in there. Because he went in there. And he's calling him by this name. He's showing that he is placing himself at the feet of Jesus by what he was doing. And here's the last one for those that feel like, man, I'm approaching Christ well and I'm giving him his authority. And this one's going to sting a little bit. Where is God saying go or come or do that you're not? Because that's the example that the centurion gave. Because he has the authority to do that. And I, I, um, I don't always, this makes me, it's going to make me sound smarter than I am, but I'm going to quote Spurgeon. On the same topic. He said, I think that this is the principal thing that you and I have to do. We have to think about our Lord Jesus Christ. We need not worry ourselves about how he will affect his purposes. How he decree, how the decrees of God will be carried out or how his promises will be fulfilled. We don't need to worry about those things. The principal thing we have to do is this, to be ourselves the Lord's servants. And when he says to any of us go, to have the mind that we go. And when he says come, to see that we do come. And when he says do this, to be sure that we do it. Like I think sometimes we're, we're, we're way out in the clouds. And Jesus wants us to just focus on the little things. Because he, he may call you to conquer the world, but he's going to ask you to do something today that will lead to that. And Jesus is just asking today, would you be willing to be faithful in these little things? Would you be willing to get under my authority and submit to me? I'm going to invite our worship team up. We're going to um, sing one last song. For those that know a little bit of my story, you know that um, after getting a college degree, I went and sold cars. Because that's what you need to have to get into the car business. Uh, I'm not a high-pressure guy. Auto Advantage in Hendersonville, North Carolina, ruined me of that. I saw a sticker the other day here in this town that had that company on it. Just like, anyway, I felt like I needed to pull them over and apologize to them. Um, but I want to implore you: if what you're doing is not working, and you're struggling, and you're overwhelmed, and you're burdened beyond what you can handle, Jesus says, come to me. All you are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. If you're trying to get and fix the things that you cannot get or fix, it's time to 
say, hey, I want to submit to you. I want to be yours. And hear this. If Jesus will welcome and praise the centurion, he'll welcome and praise you. And so wherever you find yourself today, um, be humble enough to say, Lord, I need you. And let me just tell you, all it takes is a few honest, humble words. And Jesus will do things well beyond what you can imagine. Let's pray. Jesus, I just want to acknowledge uh, and confess as the pastor of this church and acknowledge and confess for the body of this church that we don't always live like that. And there's so many reasons for why we don't. And Lord, we throw all those reasons out the window right now. Lord, and we give you all of our our stupid decisions and our our, our bad thinking. and, And we say, God, would you restore? Would you rebuild? Would you bring help to me? Lord, I pray that we wouldn't worry about the the 20 steps, the thousand steps, the million steps that we need to make heading in the journey with you. But, Lord, we would just be focused today on one step. That we would be willing to acknowledge that you have the authority to say something to us. And that we would understand that that something is worth doing. So, Lord, give us faith this morning. Give us the faith that the centurion had. That we look to the right person and know that you have the power to do the thing that we need. And, Lord, we acknowledge that the thing we need or think we may need may be not even the issue. But you see through all those things. And, Lord, I pray that you get to the heart of what's going on us today so that we can begin to live, begin to surrender, begin to put off things, people, authorities that we've given access to us. And that we would place ourselves at your feet, willing to take even the crumbs that fall from Lord, show yourself to us this morning. Lord, as we worship, I pray that even now, even these last few minutes of this service, that you would speak. That you would convict, not condemn, that you would convict. And say, son or daughter, this isn't good for you. Come to me. Let me show you the way to have the life that you desire, that you want. Lord, thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your wisdom. Lord, I pray over those in this room, like I mentioned earlier, that are presently struggling, presently um, dealing with an illness, presently dealing with a conflict that they cannot overcome. Lord, I pray for peace and joy for them in the midst of it. Lord, I pray that, that their trust would model for us what it looks like trust you. Lord, we thank you. We give you these last few minutes. We pray these things in Jesus' name.
Thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, be sure to visit us online at reachcommunitychurch.com.